Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors or Everything Podcast. My name is Amit Mann. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms and on YouTube. Like and subscribe there as well. So it seems like we are down to four people for the vacant head coaching position with the Toronto Raptors. And if you've been tuning in, we've done a lot of interviews on some of the candidates, but we are missing a few. And one of those people is Kenny Atkinson, here to talk about him. Anthony Puccio, basketball analyst. How are you, sir? You know a lot about Kenny that I think people are going to be intrigued to know about. Amit, thanks so much for having me on the show. It's, it's been a little while since I talked about Kenny Atkinson, but hey, I'm excited for Toronto fans if this is the case. And, uh, you know, look, we had we had a in Brooklyn over here when I was covering the team. Had about a three and a half year run. Uh, a lot of good things to say about him, so I'm excited to to expand here. Man, I was looking at stuff about him uh, yesterday and looked at the videos and what players were saying about him. Like this guy is like cool. He's cool. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, I think what players like about him the most, um, especially when you look back at his Hawks days uh, before before his time, even with the Nets, just as an assistant coach. Uh, this is a guy that that spent so much time overseas playing, coaching, um, someone yeah. that really had to earn their spot uh, in this league, uh, becoming an assistant coach for the Knicks. And as I mentioned, the Hawks, you know, you think about guys like Al Horford, Paul Millsap, guys that have great relationships with him that have vouched for him so many times. Yeah. So I, th- I think what people really like about him, I should say, specifically players, is that uh, – He's somebody that one they appreciate the hard work. This is somebody that's that's up at five in the morning, running the treadmill, uh, <laughs> watching game tape from the day before. <laughs> Just somebody who is an absolute you know gym rat. He he doesn't ever yeah. want to leave. And secondly, uh, you know, kind of segueing into that is is that he's somebody that is on the court with these guys. He st- he stays in shape. A former player himself, he stays in shape so that he can be in practice with these guys. Like whether it's during the actual hours or whoever it is that's after hours that wants to stay mm-hmm. in, he's there. And, and I think they respect him because of that. I mean, looking at some of the things about him, Joe Harris mentioned exactly. He's up at 5.30 every single morning. Yeah. <laughs> he's constantly yeah. working, constantly trying to find ways to help us get better. And, you know, going through just some of the quotes from former players. Actually, let's just say this first. So he was an assistant with the Knicks for four years. Then he was an assistant with the Atlanta Hawks for three seasons, four years with Brooklyn as head coach, assistant with the Clippers for one season. And the past two seasons, he's been uh, with the Golden State Warriors again as an assistant. At one point, he was the second assistant. Then Mike Brown gets hired by the Kings. Congrats, congrats to you. Jordy Fernandez, another candidate who is an assistant with the Kings, is also someone that could become uh, the Toronto Raptors head coach. And then he becomes first assistant uh, for their year believe where yeah where they won the championship right he was the first assistant yeah yeah yeah, yeah so, so uh, heck of a heck of a career so far and uh obviously a head coach once more um is definitely probably his calling and just so we can get out of the way the hornets job he had it it was his and then he's like i'm good from your standpoint what exactly happened well I, i'm i'm kind of curious about that too because i i 
at the time of all of that, you know, Miles Bridges had had gotten in trouble and a lot of things in, in Charlotte world was just yeah. all over the place. So for, for Kenny, I, I was kind of looking at it as, you know, he, he, he had a pretty made in golden state being a lead assistant there. Uh, why rush into a situation in Charlotte? That's quite frankly, a bit of a circus, right? Uh, I don't think that he really had, uh, I don't think he really had high thoughts. I can't speak for him, but after that situation, uh, you, you know, you heard rumors about, uh, something about the assistant coaches not really being able to get the pay that they wanted. So, yeah. uh, I just think there was a lot of uh, just mix-ups and things that that probably mm-hmm. weren't r- the right situation for him. Again, where if you're going to leave a position where you know you could win a title with Golden State as a lead assistant coach, why rush into this process? And now you know we're having this conversation about potentially taking over a Raptors team that's that's very very talented and you know has had a, had a solid culture for the past couple of years. Hundred percent. A few things with that. So he would have had to move his family for the third time in three years. And uh, from what I understand about him, he's a family man, which again we're going to get to. And also being the lead assistant with the Golden State Warriors, not a bad gig at all. It may not be HC, it's AC, but it's still pretty cool working with uh, Steve Kerr and the rest of those guys. And the fact that he has their, you know, their grace, those guys trust him. That means something too. Um, but for, with Kenny now, so. As you said, he is a former player, 14 years playing overseas, and you can see there's a European influence to the way his offenses operate, to the way he coaches as well. So just on that aspect, what do you think he gained from that the European experience, and how did it transfer over to the NBA? Well, I think there's there's the pros and cons, right? I think you have uh, really, really, really a, a high emphasis on team basketball, right? And then we see that with European teams. Uh, and a lot of these coaches that come come over from over there, they they really preach that. So I think his thing is there's really no one star on on a, on a team. He he wants everybody involved. He wants that ball moving as much as possible. He wants guys moving off ball, uh, constantly setting screens, constantly moving. Um, so I just think the pace and space style, but also a team oriented basketball is 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 definitely taken from his from his time over there. Also, time spending with with Bud and 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 Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. Uh, the other side of that coin is, you know, look, a, a lot of people in Brooklyn would tell you that uh, at times he would he would take out the hot hand a little bit too early. Uh, he struggled to take timeouts at the right time. I think you know you'd be down on a fourteen zero run, and and he would kind of just let the game flow. He he wanted that pace to stay up. And uh, again, on one side, you understand it. You want to get let your players play through it, especially when he was in Brooklyn and you have a young team that you're trying to develop, but at times it did bite them in the butt because, uh, you know, just, just again, selection of, of, of taking a hot hand out. D'Angelo Russell often complained about that. Um, mm. And, you know, otherwise, you know, that it's really from the European ball, really just that, that style of offense, no one star. This is, a, this is going to be a team, team game, team culture. And I could see how that could benefit the Toronto Raptors that have so many like-sized players, from what I understand of this team right now, uh, that could change in a few weeks um, as we go forward into this uh, offseason. But when you have so many players that have capabilities to put the ball on the floor, who have some shooting ability, obviously there's degrees to it. 
There are some guys that are higher, others that are lower, but they can get downhill. And if you combine that with the ability to attack closeouts, get, in the, get to the paint, um, I think Kenny could have a lot of fun with this. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why he is in this position, why he's where he's one of the final four coaches um, reportedly for this Raptors, Raptors job is he's probably selling that, you know, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siak, Emoji, and Anobi, I could, ha- I could do some fun things with them, a lot of fun things with them in terms of, you know, are they screening for each other uh, early, early sets, you know, using your big to get some of those early screens and possessions continuing to keep the pace up. And I think the Raptors, they tried to play with pace, but they wanted to make that happen through their defense in terms of, you know, making turnovers happen and then getting out on the run. There's ways to do it with your offense as well. And I believe they're one of the slower paced teams in terms of their half court that has to change. Like you look at the teams that have been successful in these playoffs they're pithy with their offense. The ball is moving. And Kenny Atkinson, I'm sure, would thrive with uh, with the Raptors and getting them to get to a, a different level with their half-court offense. That definitely has to happen for this squad. Anything else that comes to mind for you and why the Raptors would be looking at Kenny Atkinson saying, I love this guy outside. And I, I absolutely love the fact that he will just take the ball up points during practices. And all right, all right I'm going to run pick and roll. Let's get this guy over here. Let's go do some DHOs. I was like, what is this guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and that goes to my point. Like he, he wants to be on the court with these guys. And I think yeah. something that Masai could be looking at is uh he he has a good bridge of, you know, look, a reputation of of turning a a young team around. Not that the the Raptors are somewhere in the middle of of you know being able to develop these guys, the Scotty yeah. Barnes of the world, and even taking a player like Gary Trent to, to the next level, right? Just Simple things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Development. His development history is very good. He took a, a very bad Brooklyn team, uh, instilled a very, very hardworking blue collar culture, and turned mm-hmm. them around in a couple of years. You know, turned them into a playoff team. And I often say, you know, Sean Marks gets a lot of the credit for uh, Brooklyn's hardworking culture that they they built. But I think that culture was gone when Kenny Atkinson uh, was fired, or they mutually parted ways, whatever you want to call it. So. In terms of, uh, in the context of Toronto, I think that you have this good mix where Kenny has proven that he could develop players, be in the gym with them, and, and make them better. But now he's at the point of his career also where he already took over development team. He proved that he could he could win basketball games and make the mm-hmm. playoffs. So now the next step for him, I think that Masai might be looking at is, can he be a winning coach? And I think with this roster, he absolutely can. Yeah. Garrett Levert um, actually said that, you know, the coaching staff that they have here with Brooklyn, this is back when Kenny was a coach, is that, you know, they're player coaches and they're younger, they're with it, they're they're looking to work with you. And even Joe Harris, I see a quote here saying that he'll randomly give you a call every once in a while just to check in on you, just to see how you're doing to get that one-on-one FaceTime. And um, these are characteristics that have just been different with the Toronto Raptors, especially this past season, where you didn't feel that connectivity that has been one of the hallmarks of the franchise for so many years contributed to where their spirit was, which was definitely lacking. And a quote from Kenny is that, you know, he wants to make sure that the spirit is always up with his yes. team. And that all also, I mean, with something like him just grabbing the ball during the practice and he's now he's running plays and doing stuff like that. Like he's a bit of, he's unconventional, but it's in a good way where he's going to keep you on your toes and he's going to keep you, keep you moving and keep you, you know, smiling. Yeah. I admit, I, I think that, you know, again, this works twofold. It depends how much these guys are willing to buy into into what he's preaching. If if, mm-hmm. if they want to be coached, if they want to get better, and they want to shift this culture and really believe in what he's preaching, uh, the dribble handoff stuff and practicing with the guys and warming yeah. up with them is all cool. And and look in the context of Brooklyn, 
it was okay. These guys were a lot of castoffs, and a lot of them were young and uh, trying to revitalize their careers. You look at a Damari Carroll type. Uh, so they trusted his vision. They were okay with that. Whereas uh, if, if, if they're not buying in and, and they, they have big egos, you know, you look at what happened when he was the coach, when Kyrie and KD and DeAndre Jordan were here, things changed and, and perspective perspectives changed because these guys didn't really want to want to have somebody telling them uh, or, or, or necessarily coaching them so hands on. So again, mm-hmm. I, I think it really depends on if this Raptors team, this roster, these guys, if, if, if they could put their egos aside, check them at the door and really believe in what he's trying to do, which is make them better and just be a part of that team camaraderie, that culture, uh, then he'll do just fine. But again, if, if, if there are egos in that locker room that, you know, they don't want that, that coach, which we often see so much in this player empowerment era, uh, you know, he might, he really might not be the right guy because he's so hands-on. I mean, Kyrie, you mentioned Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan. So I got quotes from then. I got a lot of quotes here from former players, just so you know, Kyrie said, I can connect with this man in terms of Kenny Atkinson. And then also DeAndre Jordan, like he's a crazy man, but he was laughing when he said this, he's intense. He practices with us. I enjoy his attention to detail. That was the video itself that I was watching, I think was from earlier in that season. Um, but clearly that changed. And what was it? Many players, one player, two players? Because the quotes I got here, you had your previous era of Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen and Karis LeVert and Joe Harris and all these guys loved him. But then there's a new era you're talking about and those players didn't necessarily jive as well, which, you know what, If as you're talking about, those are seasoned veterans. Right. So they have a different expectation of how they want to be coached. And it's a fair question. I mean, Kenny, uh, he's here at this point with the with the Raptors. So he said a lot of the right things. But I wonder how that's going to you know, influence whether he does become the head coach with the Raptors and how he can really get these guys to galvanize and uh, trust him. Yeah. Again, it it just goes back to the egos. Can these guys mesh uh, something Mm -hmm. that, you know, I mentioned the timeout stuff and the X's and O's is a little bit, but um really managing personalities right I, I think you know when that when that era in Brooklyn shifted um it, it looked like he was almost exhausted of it like he 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 mm-hmm. didn't know how to really control these guys or I don't know if control is the right word but really implement his philosophies and and be himself he couldn't really be the Kenny Atkinson that everybody had come to yeah. love and appreciate in Brooklyn so again if, if these guys can't check their egos at the door uh, and buy in then then you know it, I don't I don't think it's going to work so for him you know he's mm. I guess got to manage personalities better if, if that's how you want to put it yeah you know. I mean it no it's fair and uh, getting the buy-in from players is the uh, is a number one right um and this past this past season with Nick Nurse I have no direct reports or anything like that I don't know but you could feel something similar where they just weren't hearing anymore and that's why obviously this uh, change happened also Nick Nurse to be fair I think he was looking for a change as well that meme that was going around in the Brooklyn Nets where they're line dancing and stuff like that. I think it's also notable to say that Kenny Atkinson was the one who was coaching that team. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> again, like it was, it was what I said before that he had implemented this culture. And again, Sean Marks gets a lot of the credit and, and he deserves yeah. it. But, but Kenny really was the hub. He was the guy that, you know, he he wanted those guys to have fun. He, he said, you know, basketball is fun when we're winning, but it should always be fun when we're playing together, right? So sure. that that whole dancing thing, it was it was just a, it, it was everything that he had built in a nutshell 
you know, on and off the court, that that he was part of a team and leading a team that actually really enjoyed playing together, right? That they knew they were striving for the same goal. They knew they were starting from the bottom, but they were mm-hmm. rising, having a lot of fun with it. So uh, just him enabling guys and, and letting them be the best version of themselves has been something that stood out to me during my time covering the Nets. Um, you know, again, there, there were players that necessarily didn't, didn't agree with that. You know, I think D'Angelo Russell kind of on his way out uh, mentioned something that, you know, uh, something on Instagram or something uh, cryptic. Uh, and he was somebody that was oftentimes frustrated with Kenny. But at the end of the day, D'Angelo Russell was an all-star with Brooklyn under Kenny Atkinson and, and got paid out. So, you know, he and I'm sure he's thinking about that right now, too. Yeah, yeah he, right? he, helped, he helped a lot of the guys that even still didn't didn't necessarily uh, appreciate or give him the give him the love that he probably deserved. Before we move on from the Nets time, and I want to get like any other thoughts you have, I want to make sure we touch on that too, because that was the time when you were uh, covering the Nets uh, day by day with the, with that yeah. squad. So Jared Allen mentioned, you know, there was a quote here from him that when he met uh, Kenny Atkinson, Kenny's like, bring your family. I want to meet your family. I want to get to know you as a per- on a per- more personal level. I want to get to know your your parents as well. Um, how does that jive with, with who he is as a person from what you've seen? Yeah, look, I mean, this is somebody from, you know, Long Island. He's from New York. He has, I think, eight brothers. You know, they, he was one of the younger eight ones. Brothers. I believe so. I believe it's eight wow. or something. He has, he has, he has a bunch. So, you know, he grew up playing in the driveway as, as one of the younger guys that had to really compete for his own. And, and, and I know just from experience speaking with him that, uh, family, family is everything. And, you know, I, I think that, and, you know, we get, we get tired of hearing, you know, family culture and things like that, but he, he genuinely does believe that. Uh, and, and, and he does want to get to know the parents, you know, for Jared Allen, in that case, he was, I think, 18 years old coming up from Texas. You know, I don't think he'd ever lived outside of the state and you make a dramatic move to Brooklyn. But I think Kenny during that time, and I remember this specifically because he, he just wanted to make sure they knew that he was that Jared was in good hands, right? With yeah, with Kenny at the leadership, with 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 Sean Marks there. Um, and and look, you know, you bring up Jared Allen. I, I have to tell a story for those that don't know. You know Kenny, was on, Kenny was on the court with him, uh, training and, and busting his ass. And 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 he ended up, I don't know if he broke his ankle or he he really hurt himself. He came into the press conference a couple of days later and was limping in. And and it, it was revealed that yeah he was he was working out with Jared so hard on the court after practice that that he had gotten hurt like he he literally is out here getting hurt. This is the guy that you want to be in the trenches with. <laughs> Why didn't coach coach the game? Well, he sprained his ankle when he was working out too hard with Jared Allen. <laughs> Look, it's infectious. Something to watch for. <laughs> it's infectious. Jared was going hard. He was going hard. And, and and all the assistant coaches, too. I mean, look at the head coach of the Nets now. It's Jacques Vaughn. That was his lead assistant coach. You know, Jacques gets praised for very similar things. Being on being on the court with these guys, caring about their families. Uh, this this was really the culture that Brooklyn had before they, they traded for those superstars. It was this, just this family-oriented culture. And I think, you know, to, to make a long story short, just being – part of a big family, uh, you know, him uh, being so family oriented with his own, you know, he has kids of his own that, that he cares so much about his wife. Uh, you know, he, he had, he had told me one day, uh, you know, one of the hardest things that he he had gone through was that uh, his father was very sick and it was around the time that he was trying to take his, his career to a professional level. 
and he mm-hmm. had a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He had to go overseas, and that was something that he he still thinks about to this day. So, you know, when you think about the man that Kenny Atkinson is uh, outside of basketball, you bring up family. Uh, it's 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 one of the most important things to him and how he translates that into into basketball life and, and just teamwork is uh, it, it's 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 incredible. And with that Hornets job, as I said earlier, um, there was something there was a report out there that, you know, his his girls or not his girls. He has two kids, right? Or three. Yeah. I think he has two from two, from a boy and a girl. Maybe I'm actually not sure of the genders of them, but two teenagers. I know that. Um, and that would have been the third time they had moved in three years. And whether it's true or not, there was some reporting that indicated that maybe they weren't too thrilled about that. And uh, I mean, whether it was about you know, moving to Charlotte, I don't know, because I've been to Charlotte. Eh, eh. <laughs> but uh, you could see from what you're saying that maybe all, along with the uh, the financial agreements in terms of the assistant coaches and maybe his family and also that's like maybe this isn't the right time for me to do this because hey I'm still Kenny Atkinson I'm still damn good at what I do so maybe a job will you know I'll turn the corner and I'll be able to find something the following season and here he is in the in the final running for I believe the last vacant head coaching position i think i think that all the other ones are, are taken now so we'll have to see what happens but i would assume that if it doesn't work out he'll just continue being the assistant with the gold state warriors i would think right yeah and i don't think that's the worst not thing just to- not just sorry not just that's terrible <laughs> i think i think it's 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 not a bad uh contingency no it's not Kenny atkinson but i do think toronto given given the talent that they have the depth the pieces mm-hmm. that we mentioned I, I think it's a great fit for him yeah Let's get into the the X's and O's a little bit here. So um, his his basketball identity when it got to Golden State, and I got some Steve Kerr quotes here. Um, Steve Kerr just loves Kenny Atkinson, and that's obviously why he's part of this uh, part of the squad now. And when he brought him on, it was more about you know I need uh, someone who could help us with development. I need someone who could help us in terms of our analytics because I don't think Steve Kerr is that kind of a kind of a guy. He's not that kind of a coach, which is fair. I mean, do you kind of thing? But you want someone probably in your coaching staff that has a bit more strengths there. And also, he looked at Kenny Atkinson as a bit of a as a bit of a, a shift. You know, a different point of view that probably no one else in the organization of you know, amongst their coaching staff would have. He's just different in a sense. So how do you think things have gone for him in, in Golden State outside of the obvious? And also, you know, what do you think he's learned there? I think that just getting that experience with a championship caliber team uh, and, and and yeah, for sure, having having younger players, Jordan Poole and Kaminga and, and 
uh, you know, a, a surplus of, of young players that he could work with at practice, whether it's, you know, worked out in the short time that he's been there or not. Hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to uh, tell what an assistant coach is, is, is really executing when you don't see what happens behind closed doors. But I do think, you know, when we talk about X's and O's, you talk about the analytical approach. Uh, you know, again, he 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 is somebody very, very analytical driven and very, very like D'Antoni, seven seconds or less type. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, I, I don't know exactly how that uh, trickled into the Warriors game plan, but you can be sure that he was in he was in those practices. He still is probably working with those guys in the gym as we talk right now. Yeah, I'm actually curious about that because he's a bit older than he was, you know, back in those Brooklyn. Yeah. When you get to that age, man, you know, all of a sudden you flick a switch, you wake up one day. It's like, well, that didn't feel good. So I wonder if you would be doing that still um, as much, at least to the point where you might sprain his ankle <laughs> working out with the player. I, I think this guy will be on the court until he he, he can't walk anymore. I mean, yeah. again, back to him being up at five in the morning, running the treadmill, looking at game yeah. tape. He's just so dedicated. Defensive philosophy. When I ask you that in terms of Kenny Atkinson, how would you how would you categorize it? I have you know some some things that I've seen. I got some some thoughts on it, which are intriguing, especially considering what I just watched with the Toronto Raptors and how frustrating it was sometimes. But yes. Um, what do you think? sometimes it felt like insanity a little bit, uh, granted the Nets didn't always have the greatest personnel and they didn't always have a big, they didn't really have a big man. Jared mm-hmm. Allen was very young. So they were constantly getting bullied in the paint. You know, he wanted yeah. a couple of the perimeter, but, but the paint was, was open, open range for other teams. So, mm-hmm. uh, at times it, it just kind of felt like they were doing a lot of the same stuff. So once in a blue moon and he would throw in zones, uh, I remember he even threw a, a box and one in during a crucial, crucial game that helped get them into the playoffs during the 18-19 season uh, against Blake Griffin, and and it won them the game. Uh, it, it, they did it the whole whole way out. Uh, so he does have room for adjustments, but during my time covering them, I I, I was often critical of of their defense because it didn't seem like uh, they were really locked into that. And again, they they wanted mm-hmm. to take 43 pointers. And focus on 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 running, running, running. Uh, so that paint was wide open, man. I, I mean, the defensive defensive side. Uh, I don't think his history is too great as a head coach. That's fair. That's fair. Um, just looking at some of the, there was this uh, video I, th- I saw on YouTube of Kenny Atkinson, and he was coaching. He was giving some tips to some people overseas, and what he was talking about was contain and contest, keep them out of the paint, force non-paint twos, and no middle, ice them force them towards the baseline. And it's little things like that that are music to a Raptor fan's ears because I don't know if you know, but we just watched this team where their first level of defense was a turnstile. And then they get in rotation, a team hits a corner three, team's getting in the paint, they have no rim protection. It was an absolute mess for most of the season. Now, Yaka Provo comes in, things get better. But what I want to see in this, and I pointed this out on a podcast last week, is I think some of the best defenses in the NBA right now, it's scheming and it's also, it's containing and testing, contesting, actually. That's exactly what, I, what I'm talking about. It's the overaggression can be a problem sometimes, especially when this NBA these days, man, it's so damn good. You got yeah. five guys out there who are five tool players. And if you're banking on being really aggressive and forcing the ball to that fourth option over there, that fourth option now is 10 times better than he was six years ago. 
right? right? So you right. can't play that way anymore. So what I'm thinking is you it's no middle, as he's talking about. It's forcing keeping them out of the paint as best you can. And also you're forcing threes, you're forcing non-paint twos. That is like the logic of it. And what's exciting about that, and I hear what you're saying with those Brooklyn teams, like they were a scoring bunch. And what's intriguing about a combination of Kenny Atkinson and the Toronto Raptors is that they have the defensive players. They have yeah. guys who want to play defense. They they haven't forgotten how to. This season was what it was, but they care about the end of the of, of the court, and they know that that's what leads to playoff rounds. That's what leads to championships. You combine that with containing contest, no middle, keep them out of the paint, and their structure. That's what I hear. Their structure to their defense, and that would do wonders for this team. That's how you make sure that you're that the, the paint is actually locked off. And then if they get through, now you have Yaka Pertle, who I hope to whoever that they re-sign and bring back for on a four-year contract or whatever, whatever the case is. But that's what I need to see. And I think Kenny Atkinson, you combine his spirit, you combine his his defensive methodology, and also his style of play offensively. Ball movement, lateral movement, early post-ups, early step-up screens, drag screens, which you could use, you know, whoever you want to use. You could use Yaka Pearl. You could use Scotty Barnes. There, there is a formula there along with what, what they already have for success to me. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah. And you mentioned how modern defense defensive schemes have worked. And you look at Miami right now, just the way that uh, they're, they're playing defense is that they're, they're contesting at the point of attack, right? You, and you're seeing that with Jokic, right? Yeah. <laughs> in game two especially so with kenny's philosophies he he has the right idea in context of brooklyn i don't think they had the personnel i mean he, sure. he you know this is this is somebody who had to depend on jared dudley to to be his best defensive <laughs> he just player. came to mind for me <laughs> you know you know like he he had to depend on jared dudley i'm sorry really, man sorry uh, jared to 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 stop the best player on the other team uh in in this instance yeah. specifically ben simmons when he was in his prime during that playoff series but you know, you look, yeah. you look at this Toronto team, and if if they keep the personnel that they have, they keep most of the guys that they have. Kenny likes long players. He, you know, you look at at, at, at Karis LeVert, you look at Spencer Dinwiddie, you look at even Damari Carroll playing small forward for them. They they always had long players. It was just that they never really had that rim protection. They never really mm-hmm. had that gel defensively. Uh, and quite frankly, they just didn't have the best defensive players in general. So yeah. The mindset, rap, right? It's it's mindset. It's 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 effort, it's mindset, it's it's yeah. it's just locking in. And again, buying into what he's preaching, he has the right philosophies. Now it's just about can he fill in the right personnel? I think in Toronto, again, a bunch of a bunch of lanky players that that again want to play defense. It, it would work fantastic for him. But you yeah. know, again, that's 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 why I'm a pundit and not a, a an NBA <laughs> coach. Man, Ben Simmons, you said like his peak. He's 26 years old right now. Did we see this? Is like off topic, but did we see his peak? I saw some photos the other day of him progressing in his in his workouts and he's getting better and he's hoping to be ready for next season. But oh man, what a shame if it would be that that was his peak. Yeah, Holy. I mean, I'll, I'll keep it short. I just, I, I I think that we saw his peak and I think that when you're talking about a six foot 11 big man who, a big man, a point guard who relies on, on his explosive yeah. getting to the rim uh, you know, whatever it is that's going on mentally, if he's not confident at the rim or if it's pain in his back, you know, you have those chronic, those chronic back issues at, at you know, 26 and you're six foot 11. Uh, yeah. It's really hard to come back. So it's, it's a very unfortunate situation, but you know, you never know. You never know. He's still young. 
Okay. So we've covered a lot already with, um, with Kenny. Um, are there any other things that you think a person would want to know about Kenny? I'm, I'm back to taking a step backwards and the floor is yours. What do you think? Is there something that we've missed so far that the people, the streets would want to know about Kenny? Hmm. I think just when you talk about a genuine person, I, I might've covered this already. You know, we, we, we hit a lot of ground with him, but uh, just a genuine man behind the scenes off the court uh somebody who has a really good ability of 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 being able to tell who really wants it and 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 who doesn't and mm. i believe we had a conversation one time and and he said to me you know pooch somebody that wants to win a championship that is in the gym before and after uh is al horford and you know when when you hear the just authenticity in his voice and understanding that he he understands this business he understands that not every player is 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 playing this game to be great or to be a championship winner some of them just want to yeah. show up, practice play the games and go home and he, make your money yeah. right and that's fair too that's fair right and 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 look he respects that but what he values the most are the guys that i think he could empathize with that that he sees himself in or vice versa the the al horfords of the world that are going to put that extra work in. So if he does go to Toronto uh, and fans are wondering about who this guy is, he's, he's one of just a solid family man, a solid dude in general. And he is someone who is dedicated to his craft that, that has a good eye for talent. Uh, you look again, we can name guys all day from Brooklyn that have gone on and had solid careers or, you yeah. know, whatever it might be. Um, he is so devoted to, making and bringing the best out of everyone both as a person and as a player and i think you know those are the things that we don't really get to see and it's mm -hmm. nice you know for myself and other people that got to see it it's nice to share this insight so you know hopefully hopefully it translates well if if he does go to Toronto. <laughs> ain't that the truth there's a quote here from spencer dinwiddie which i really like kenny's background didn't permit him to skip steps he wasn't allowed to that's yeah. that work ethic that we're talking about and the trenches he's going to be there with all of his players and he's going to have their, they're going to have his ear um, when, whenever they need it, whether it's on court hours, off court hours, when you're at home, if Kenny seems like the kind of guy that if you call him at 1230 at night saying, coach, I got a question for you. He'd be like, what's up kid? What do you got? If you, called, sure. coach at, if you called coach at 2 AM and said, coach, let's get to the gym. He'd wake up out of his bed and go, go shoot with you. So <laughs> ain't that the truth? <laughs> And also, I mean, it's, it's, you, you brought it up earlier that um, it's important to see what kind of coaches he's worked under Mike D'Antoni, right? Yeah. Um, you got Mike Boonholzer, you got Steve Kerr. Yeah. Hell of a coaching tree, hell of a amount of uh, talent there of people that he's learned from. And he's going to take all of that into his next job. And that's exciting. I mean, we're, we're talking about Sergio Scariolo, another guy who is a yeah. candidate here. And he could be, you know, you could say arguably he's probably the favorite right now. Could be, right? We don't know what's happening, but just reading the tea leaves, it seems like he could be one of the favorites. And what Scariolo was so excited about when he went back to Europe after his stint with uh, the Raptors is like, I'm so excited to implement what I just learned into that style of play, right? And the same thing with Kenny. Imagine what he's going to be able to bring forth. He also was with the Clippers for a season too. So you yeah. think about what he's already learned. You mentioned the timeouts, timeouts late, timeouts too early, taking subbing players out, things of that nature. You factor in what he learned with the Clippers, with Golden State Warriors. I mean, like if he's got... If Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green are saying this is a good dude, sold. 
those guys know winning. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, and you make a fantastic point. It's been three years since he's been a head coach. Worked under Dan Tony, was with Bo- Budenholzer. And on that Budenholzer staff was also Quinn Snyder, I believe Taylor Jenkins, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, yeah. Ty Lue out in, in, uh, with the Clippers. Uh, now Steve. That's Kirk. a coaching tree, damn. Right. So Look at Mike. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like a willow tree with a, with a Yeah, of, seriously. <laughs> but uh, uh, something that just kind of made me think was just the the 2020 season. I think that him also having this experience of being with these coaches, but also different types of players. And I, I want to emphasize that again, as Brooklyn changed that era and he played any coach, more superstars with Kawhi, Paul George, yeah. obviously Steph and clay and all those guys in golden state. Uh, there's just so many different personalities, egos that he's, he's dealt yeah. with. He's seen, uh, whatever you want to call it, if it's the evolution of the game or just evolution of player empowerment and things like that, I think that he's better suited to deal with it now than when he kind of got thrown into the fire of, of mm-hmm. very what we call as a rush process in Brooklyn when when those guys came here. I don't think that he was expecting by year three, year four, that he would really be having yeah. to, especially somebody so difficult as Kyrie Irving. So. We talk about coaching tree. We talk about players. I think that he's better suited now than he was uh, back back a couple of years ago. You just uh, triggered something for me because uh, looking at some of the stuff yesterday about him and I heard him talking about Steph Curry. And uh, if anyone wants to look it up, just I mean like find the clip, right? Just search Kenny Atkinson, Steph Curry, and the clips are going to come up. And uh, that's how I do research. Look at that. Now you know my secret. <laughs> an interesting quote, but I actually found something on Kenny Atkinson talking about Steph Curry. And what I want to point out is the admiration he had. Um, and I don't doubt that Steph Curry is truly that great of a person, but it was like he was in awe of him. And I think when you hear something like that, I don't think you're going to hear all coaches do stuff like that. They're not going to either they're not going to show it or they're not going to have that appreciation for a player. And this is where him being a former player comes into play. This is where you're going to see how much he understands the plight of a player and what they're feeling. And uh, if he goes through, you know, some cases where he is being hard on a player, you can probably bet that also he's going to, turn the other cheek. He's going to also going to be supporting him at the same time. It's about building, continuing to build, and we're going to do this together. And that's what intrigued me about Kenny Atkinson. You know, the Raptors with the the current Jordi Fernandez, it's Darko Rajkovic, it's Sergio Scariolo, and also Kenny Atkinson. If they decide that we want someone who could, who just has a, a very firm understanding of the NBA, NBA basketball, and combined with, you know, some of the European aspects, and also you think about, you know, his coaching tree that we just talked about, he could be the best choice. And I don't think it's a mistake that he's gotten here. When I talked to uh, Christian Winfield last week about actually it was, it was Steve Nash when all that stuff was coming up. And it was like, is this real? Is this real? And as it confirmed to me, and I'm not going to go too much into it, but I don't really buy that Steve Nash was ever a real candidate for the Toronto Raptors. I think it was more of a PR thing, but he said, he's like, why aren't they talking to Kenny Atkinson? And then the, when the report came, I messaged him. I'm like, guess what? He's like, I knew it. There's no way they could let him go. So he's not, he's next man. Um, I think they've seen exactly what you're seeing in him. And that's why he's at this point. If he becomes a Raptors head coach, you're not going to hear boo from me. I think he'd be great. I, I agree with all that. And I just, I think he's ready to take that next step. And for a Raptors team that is still very, very talented, uh, led by you know Masai and, and and a good culture that just needs a little bit of a reboot. Maybe somebody to just kind of spark something into that locker room. Kenny Kenny's the guy. I, I I couldn't agree any more than you. Got a quote from you here. 
when he was let go by the Brooklyn Nets, you said he deserved better. Well, maybe the better is now he will be a head coach with the Toronto Raptors. See, look at that. Look at that finish. That's a closing right there. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. Anthony Puccio, you can find him on Twitter at, what is it, at? A Pooch. A Pooch, that's beautiful. Like a dog. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Thanks, bro. I appreciate Uh, you. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a pleasure.